Bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and a tiger who turned into a person. See, that's not true. How do you know? When did you make the turn? Um, 1988. Okay, so then you became a baby. A tiger who turned into I a turned baby. In, yeah, I turned into a baby. Um, and then I learned how to be a human basically the same way any human would, so it wasn't that jarring or dramatic for me. How old were you as a tiger? Um, 170. Okay, so that's where you lost me. Tigers don't live that long. How do you know how long a tiger lives? Hermit crabs live like 40 years. That's nowhere near 170 years. Well, because a hermit crab's little, and then a tiger's big, so you can imagine the years it lives. I, the other day, was like, maybe reincarnation is real. Why would it not be? Yeah, I'm open to it. But it's also like, what's the point? If you forget all your memories, is it even anything? Well, okay, according to the song Galileo by the Indigo Girls, um, you're supposed to, like, learn lessons. So, like, you don't remember the lesson, but, like, you're, you're, whatever's happening in your life is teaching you the lesson from last time. I don't really, like, I, I just don't know, like, if, you, if you're starting at zero, it's just a new person. But that person is learning lessons from the past or, like, finishing, finishing deeds, you know? And then eventually what happens? You'd get to die and go to heaven, I guess. And then do you suddenly then remember all of your lives? Or you only remember your most recent life. Well, I don't know. I've never been to heaven. I can't tell you that. I'm probably not headed there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's true. It's not real. So it doesn't matter. I believe in the afterlife, but this is not the time for that discussion. <laughs> We've got a lot to cover. This is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty, baby. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is a very exciting episode because we're also live streaming it. That's right. My mom is watching me talk about her as I'm talking about her. That's really sweet. I don't know if my parents know about it or or if if they know about it or if they would have any interest in being here. I think if they're not going to be on screen, they're like, why? (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) But I do, very exciting, we have an upcoming episode where my dad will be playing hypotheticals. I I cannot wait for that. Well, we should talk about this episode because this is a very exciting episode. We have an incredible guest. Stephanie Beatrice is joining us for some mm-hmm. tough questions about planning a wedding. Ooh, let's get that advice. I went to her wedding. It was incredible. And later, we'll be discussing normal versus common and why the term normal should be replaced with the word common. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right, let's get this party started. Mm-hmm. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Claire! San Diego. All right, so, uh, TLDR. Too long didn't read, Claire writes. I'm starting Zoloft in a couple days, and I am so nervous because I've never been on meds before, and I don't know what to expect. Help! Some more information. I've been dealing with depression, anxiety, and body-focused repetitive behaviors for at least eight years. I have a family history of mental illnesses, yet my dad is against medication. 
And mental health is a relatively touchy and taboo topic with my parents. This has greatly influenced me to believe that I should either overcome my mental illnesses on my own or just accept this quality of life. Even though I finally got a consistent therapist, being a recent college graduate hasn't given me the relief I thought it would. Probably because I graduated into a pandemic, a recession, and a government that continues to neglect us. Yes. I have sleep troubles, fatigue problems, intrusive thoughts, and anxiety, even engaging in my hobbies. The anxiety around meds that I have is the uncertainty of how it's initially going to affect my mood. I've read on Reddit that a lot of people feel even more anxious in the first few days. I'm also anxious that it will change my brain forever and that I'll become addicted to them. I'm also anxious about how it might change my personality. Can you all talk about what it was like in the first few days when you started taking meds? Like how much of an effect did you feel and if your symptoms got worse initially? Also, do either of you plan to take them for the rest of your lives? And how do you know when you can or should wean off them? Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we have so much to say about I know, this. <laughs> I know. Okay, go, go. You go first. You're in, you're in grad school for therapy, so please. One of the most interesting things, actually, since starting my graduate program is the fact that meds are not necessarily as effective as I had thought that they were. What? They are effective for some people, but they're not effective for everybody. Ah, yes, yes, yes. It's not like, oh, my God, absolutely, everybody should be on meds, like, it's universally like supported and you know uh-huh. encouraged by all mental health professionals. There's definitely a range within there. Um, but for me and my personal experience and also having interviewed my psychiatrist for a project I'm working on, it is absolutely something worth trying. But the part you have to remember is that it's a process that sometimes, yes, like you can just be assigned one medication like a Zoloft and it can work great and like mm-hmm. the side effects are minimal and then you're like off to the races. But a lot of times like you might need to try a different, a couple different things. You might oh, need to try yeah. a couple different doses. Mm-hmm. You might have a side effect profile that isn't working for you on a certain medication. So you want to change medications. So I think that like, going into this process, you need to understand that it is a process. Mm -hmm. But if it does work for you, and if you do find the right medication, your life will be so much better. (laughs) Yeah, I tried a bunch of different meds. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to add to the Reddit chorus of like scaring, but like definitely they were not the right ones up top. I was also misdiagnosed as um, depression, anxiety when I actually had bipolar disorder. Hey, um, but I, you know, I went on Selexa at first and Selexa made me so sleepy and like I, I fell asleep in the shower. Like it was really bad. Did you fall down? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and then I tried a bunch of different stuff. However, uh, on the plus side, I, you're not me, but Zoloft was the one that I stuck with. Zoloft mm-hmm. did, did help me, um, which I am still currently on it. So there are different side effects. Yeah. I mean, at, at first going on it, I, I felt very strange for sure. And even and every time you change meds, it's kind of a journey. I think like that's part of it. And so you can't like beat yourself up or try to breeze past it or try to like everyone on meds has this. You can't just be like, well, how do I personally not experience this? And it's like, well, but when you come out the other side, it's so much better. It's so so I'm also on Lamictal, which is um, for bipolar disorder specifically. And that one specifically like is a game changer for me my moods are so much better my like will to live is so much better the way that I interact with people is so much better and I plan to be on meds forever because I I don't think bipolar disorder is a thing that I get to a certain place and then I go well I'm glad I'm cured of this like 
it is like a th- like if I had diabetes, I would be on diabetes medication forever. If I, you know, there's certain things that that's just like your life, dude. Just to clarify, there's different medications for different disorders, obviously. Yeah. And so like the anxiety, depression types of medications are most often an SSRI. And for those, yeah. like the most common side effects are going to be um, one of the most common, unfortunately, is like decreased um, sex drive. And uh, sometimes weight gain. It can also be like, you know, sleepiness, like these types of things can happen. Oh, you can also have like gastrointestinal distress, but like that most likely um, will get better in the first few weeks. I was on gabapentin for sleep and it made my legs itch. What? We don't know. Weird. So there's also going to be like stuff like that. And with what I'm on, I'm on um, Trintelix and Wellbutrin. I think it makes me sweat a lot more and I do like a lot worse in the heat. Um, but like it just is so beneficial in terms of like getting you to a place where you can then address your issues. Yeah. So that's a big part of why people go on medication is because they're in therapy. They're working on themselves, but they just cannot see the results of that work because of where they are you know like they can't they can't actually do the work because they're so below where they need to be in terms of like mood or stability or you know so it gets you to this level where you then can with the help of your therapist and with your own work and with mindfulness like you can actually then see Mm -hmm. like that progress And in terms of staying on long term or not, I think, again, it's very person specific and it's also very disorder specific. Mm -hmm. So bipolar, you're most likely going to be on that for the rest of your life. Schizophrenia, hopefully on it for the rest of your life, although those meds tend to have a lot of side effects. So it's a lot harder for people to kind of stay on them. Yeah. Um, But like with an anxiety or... Um, depression, it can kind of go up and down throughout your life. So you can Mm -hmm. sort of like decide how you're doing. You know, if you're doing really well, um, you can work with your psychiatrist or your GP to decide that you're going to go off. You can always go back on. Um, It's really like a personal decision. But that's why I think it's really important to have a super communicative relationship with whoever is prescribing you those medications so that you're not just like unilaterally deciding when to go on and off of them. Also, you do have to wean yourself because I like wholesale went off Zoloft. Like this is the other thing is that you kind of convince your I did that without telling anyone. I convinced myself I needed to and that I was like totally fine, whatever. And I, uh, and I, so I went off at cold turkey and then I was driving to BuzzFeed and I had to pull over on the highway and throw up. And then weirdly that same day, what, uh, there was like a paparazzi photo of Harry Styles pulling over on the highway and throwing up. And everyone was like, he was hung over. And I was like, no, he's probably going off Zoloft. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, when I, a few months ago, I was like, well, maybe I should go off of my meds. I'm doing really well. Like, you know, whatever. But my psychiatrist was like, like with my OCD, it's so biological and genetic since I've had it since I was four years old that like, Mm -hmm. I I think that for me going off of meds long term, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Because it is like very biological genetic thing, where Mm -hmm. other times there'll be something like if something really big happens in your life. So let's say like a a death of a loved one, Mm -hmm. you're unemployed, something, you know, it's called an adjustment disorder, right? So 
then you might go on those meds and it might get you through that time. And then like it's a year later and you're doing better and then it makes sense to go off of those meds. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, again, so different for everyone. And hearing what you're saying about it's been eight years of you dealing with this stuff, like it it feels like maybe it is something where these meds will really help you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the only reason to go off of meds is if you feel like um, the side effects are intolerable. But switch. I mean, try a bunch of different ones. You're not going to get it right right away, I don't think. I mean, you could, but... Yeah, you can. But also, like, sometimes there's concern if, like, if um, someone was wants to get pregnant. Um, but there are certain medications where it is safe to be pregnant and be on medication. I believe Zoloft is one of them, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm not planning on being pregnant. Um, but if, like, I think Lamictal you would have to go off of. And that is terrifying, Because, like, that's so crazy to me that, like, they're like, hey, uh, be pregnant, but also experience bipolar disorder. Good luck. Like, (laughs) have fun out there. Like, what? Um, Yeah, I think I think you just have to be prepared for like a couple weeks of weirdness um, and be highly attuned to what's happening to you. Mm -hmm. So if you feel foggy in the head, if you feel like you're sleeping more, if you feel like you're crying more. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to like when you go on birth control and then uh, initially when you go on birth control, like anything that messes with like the chemicals of your body, uh, like obviously the long term effects of birth control, you're like, great, that's great. I don't want to get pregnant or even like a trans woman going on estrogen, which is very similar. Like there's side effects. There's things that are are going to like shift and change and they'll land probably in a good place. But yeah, you can't avoid like I know it's scary and it might not want to make you avoid it. But in my experience, coming out the other side was like totally worth it. And, I, you know, saying that your parents feel like you should just like you know, grin and bear it. One of the most powerful things my psychiatrist ever said to me is that like, there's no need to white knuckle your way through life. Yeah. If it can make things easier, if it can make things easier, like sure you can function without it, but like everything is going to be that much harder. Everything's going to be that much more of a struggle. Why yeah. do that? Like you only get one internal life and why not have it be more enjoyable? Yeah. I mean, it's like, any other illness, you would just take medication for it, I guess, unless you're a Christian scientist. Like, it's this thing, right, where I was like, well, I'm not the being the real me. Like, the real me has bipolar disorder, and the real me, like, is has these swings, and that's who I am. Um, but then as I've taken the medication, I'm like, no, all it did was clear the fog mm-hmm. so that I— so that so I that can, you, you be can be the actual yourself. me. Yeah, exactly. So that I can be the real me. It's clearing away the cobwebs. You should never like associate yourself as the disorder. It's you are not bipolar. You have bipolar. Exactly. You are not depressed. You have depression. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, so uh, when you take away those things, then you're revealing your true self. You're revealing your true personality. Yeah. Um, and you can like achieve even more and like get even more in touch with yourself. Like like I've said so many times, like I thought that I was like such an uptight like mm-hmm, stubborn mm-hmm. person. And in reality, I'm not at all. I just had OCD and anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And then once it clears, you get to see, like, I got to see my real personality. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, my personality is impulsive and flies off the handle and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like, you clear it away. And suddenly you're like, oh, my real personality is just like driven and competent. And mm-hmm. like, that's it. Like, I'm actually just like so excited for you to get to see what you're going to be like on meds because it's a game changer. I mean, I don't want to give false hope. For a percentage of people, it might not help. But I I think for like what you're describing and the Zoloft prescription, like I feel really good about it. And I'm just like really excited for your future. And 
what it's going to feel like suddenly to have your brain be like, huh, to like actually just feel like, oh, this is how other brains work. And that's so what that one was enlightening. Yeah, that was what was so enlightening was that you were totally. like, oh, this is what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Which is Mal's on medication for ADD. And like that, that's the thing is that they're just like, oh, this is how other brains work. Amazing. Incredible. Like, wow. Yeah. And it sucks that your parents have these preconceived notions, but it's also kind of generational and it's a it's a misunderstanding of the situation they're not you know like obviously they need some psychoeducation about it whether or not they're willing to get that education it's up to them you can't force that but just know that like they're wrong yeah (laughs) what you're doing for yourself is awesome and we're so proud and excited for you where are your parents now (laughs) (laughs) oh my god we should have merch that says that okay (laughs) If you want to submit your international question and have us become your official parents, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we're going to be having some tough questions with our esteemed guest, Stephanie Beatriz. Stick around. Just between us. Hey! Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have uh, my friend and yours, bisexual icon, actress, incredible creator, best person, Stephanie Beatrice. Hello. Woo! Okay, so basically, we were talking about how I went to your wedding. Your wedding was incredible. Thank you. Allison is getting married. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. So what, like, what do you wish you had known when you were planning your wedding? Great question. (laughs) Um, I think actually like it surprisingly went very smoothly for us um, because we had a plan. Like before I even met Brad, I, I was trying to get my finances in order because I was like, I'm a grown woman. I, I want to know what's going on with my money. You know, like Mm -hmm. I want to know where it is and what it's doing for me. And I don't want this to disappear on me. And so I started multiple savings accounts and investments. And I had like a financial advisor. It was really great. Um, and he was like, so do you want to get married someday? And I said, yeah, I think so. You know, the person that I'd been with before, we just never were going to get married. And I thought like, I think that might be something I want in my life. So he said to me, he was like, well, what kind of wedding do you want to have? And I was like, I think I want it to be pretty big, like big and kind of fancy. And he was like, okay. So I had a big wedding. It was $75,000. I was like, (gasps) so he said, why don't you start saving now before you even meet this person so that you know that when you meet this person, you're not going to be stressed. You're not going to go into debt. You can save your money for this wedding. You put a little bit aside, you know, like grow this account so that you won't be as stressed. You, you know, like you, you'll have some money already there sitting there that's earmarked just for the wedding. And I was like, okay. So I started doing that. And then like maybe a year and a half later, I met Brad. By the time that we were even like talking about, oh, maybe I want to marry you. I had already saved all the money for the wedding. So like, that's the main thing that I would say to other people is like, if you think you want to get married someday, save for it now so that you're not, you know, borrowing 20 grand from your parents and feeling like you have to, you know, cow taking out a loan, taking out, yes, a loan. Or taking out a loan for something that's like, 
what, you know, like I get it, it is one day, right? Like it's one day, maybe like a couple events around that day, but you do remember it. I mean, like, I really remember a lot about it. That's good. <laughs> but I, I, I remember, oh, that was the other thing that uh, Melissa Fumero actually said to me. She was like, why don't you practice? She said, practice being, you know, in a moment that you enjoy in your regular life and practice trying to go like, okay, let me remember every detail about this. So I would like do that at work or I would do that when I was hanging out with my friends. I have a very specific like snapshot in my brain of Brad at the altar being really nervous and like shifting from foot to foot and like the color draining from his face because he was so nervous. But I have that memory I because I wasn't caught up in myself. Like, what do I look like? What are my hands doing? Am I sucking in my stomach? You know, I was like focused on him. Um, people did tell me this, but I didn't believe them, which was like some of the people that will be in your wedding, you won't be friends with forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just believe, I was like, no, I'm different. You know, like my friends are amazing, which like that's, you know, the friends that you had in your teens, not all of them transition to your 20s. Not all of those friends transition to your 30s the friends that you make in your thirties, they don't always transition to the next phase of your life. And that's okay. It just is like, I wish I kind of like, didn't put so much, I guess, like stock in the the idea of like, these, these are the women that are going to like be here for me, my whole marriage, which is like, they might not be, you know? Yeah. You mean your bridesmaids? Yeah. The bridesmaids in particular. Yeah. 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 I just wish I had sort of just like be grateful for them in the moment, but like, don't Mm -hmm. expect that necessarily they're going to you know, be friends with you forever. Yeah, I've seen people get rid of the idea of bridesmaids. Like a lot of people are not doing that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have like a a, a maid of honor or whatever. Like, and yeah. I, we, didn't, we just had like a bunch of people that we liked. And if I had had close friends that were men, which I, I do, but a lot of them are Brad's friends. So like they ended up being in the wedding anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I wanted them around, but... I think Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of like pressure about like your bride tribe, which is like a, a gross thing to say anyway. Um, And B it's like, you know, they're your friends. Like that's great. Like share the experience with them, but also don't like mentally like project that they're going to be there for you every step of the way. Cause like some friendships shift and change and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am having a thing where I don't know like how much my friends actually care about the planning. So I'm like, don't. Like, I'm like, do I, do I send them this? Do I not? Do they care? But then some of them are like, I do want to see it. And then they clearly they don't. <laughs> you mean in terms of like colors and stuff or if you pick something? Well, like, or- yeah, like, you know, like we found the wedding band and like sending the wedding band sample or like sending the photographer or, you know, like. I I don't know, like every day I'll just like decide differently on who to send it to or if they care or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, generally they don't. Yeah. Well, you showed me the venue and I thought the venue was beautiful. I love yeah, that. I love so seeing much. that. I love thank seeing you. that. That's cool. I mean, yeah. Yeah. not everybody cares about it as much as you. No one is going to care as much as you do, which is fine because it's not really about, it's like really about you guys, like mm-hmm. you guys and then like celebrating with your family and friends. I'm finding that I don't even care about it that much. <laughs> like, oh, you don't. You just go like, yeah, I don't, know. I don't need that. Like, that seems fine. You know, yeah, like we had this, we had this one call with a potential wedding planner and it, she like described your wedding as like going to war and like how you had to like prepare for the battle that was your wedding. And I was Absolutely. like, I don't, I don't like this vibe. I don't like this approach to it. You <laughs> later. Never. Okay. I don't think okay? so. No, the answer's no. no. They're not. Okay. They're not. Yeah. Wow. 
Jake yeah. and I like put it on mute and then just like started like talking shit about the woman while my sister asked a bunch of questions. <laughs> oh my God. That is terrifying. We didn't have like a wedding planner because I didn't want to pay somebody for that. Right. But we did have like, I'll send it to you if you want to see it, Allison. We had like an execution list of like. Oh, wow. It was like, okay, when's the wedding? Oh, it's October 6th, right? So, all right. Well, so what's, what are the things that have to happen in the week? I mean, it was like a production, right? It's like, well, what has to happen the month before? Well, what are the small things that have to happen mm-hmm. like two months before mm-hmm. or shit like that? Where it's like, we were checking things off. And like, that was extremely helpful because then it wasn't like, who ordered the flowers? Like the flowers are already taken. You already mm-hmm. did that a month ago, you know? Yeah. That, that was awesome. All I want is at your wedding hat. There was like things that were sponsored. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, how do I get to the level where like things are sponsored? All the alcohol was free. For I know. I all saw it all had. That was the thing. It, the alcohol was free because it was all sponsored. Like, I was like, how do you how do you get to the level where things are just sponsored? Honestly, you just ask. Like, you just Brad, ask. I know. Brad just asked people like people that he knew from like mm-hmm. he used to be in like the club scene like the party promoting world like back in the 2000s like when Lindsay Lohan had like had water bottles full of vodka like back in that era (laughs) when I talked to his friends that one time we were out and they were telling me all about like the the party promoting stuff they did in the early 2000s with like like the Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan era. And I was like, this is like a hearing about a period piece. This is it, so yes. exciting. I yes. was so into it. They were like, and then Chase Crawford showed up at the club. I was like, tell me everything. Everything. I know it is a period piece because it was pre, pre-cell phones. And yeah. Pre, like you, you can never do that again. It's not a world that will ever exist again. Just like weird, like actors from like Dawson's Creek or whatever, actors from like the OC or whatever, showing up to things. I was just like riveted. Were your families involved with the planning at all? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) My mom kept trying to ask me. I'm sure like your family is trying to ask you questions and like, it's up to you. But my mom was like, well, where's the venue? Well, well, what are you doing? She, at one point she was like, so what are people going to eat? And I was like, we're getting food trucks. And she was like, what? And I, I was just like, no, she can't be involved. Also like I saved my money for that wedding. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want anyone else to have control over what I am doing or saying or, or making happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she, I, she did, she like desperately wanted to be involved. So I was like, I guess you can throw my bridal shower. And it was really sweet, but it wasn't your vibe. It wasn't up to my standards but like it was, you know, my mom was really sweet, but like, I don't know if I would have done some of the things. That, I mean, she had us play like those dumb, like bridal shower games. And they I'm love like, that. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, I'm very blessed that my parents are paying for it. And, um, the, which is like, is that, so, the, is that the thing? Is it supposed to be the, what's the, well, there's what's no the, supposed to be. That's a okay, big thing we're all working on. Um, my well, like it's it like you said, like my parents have just been saving for this for ever, you know. Like they had like a specific m- money that they'd given my sister, and that they're gonna give me. And they, wow. my mom called one day and was like, "Okay, we took it out of the stock market, so it's just in its own little place, so that we have it for you." I'm gonna <laughs> it was so I, cute, very lucky, like yeah, super lucky. That's but scary, it's scary. been funny because my dad is like a, a retired lawyer. And so all of the vendors keep sending over these contracts that like are not up to his standard. Oh, yeah, right. Man. 
So he's just rewriting all of the contracts for these vendors. And they're all like, thank you so much. This is much better. Oh my God. <laughs> that's so tight. That's so cool. What a like a uh, bonus for them. Wow. Right? I'm like, yeah, you're doing some pro bono dad for small business owners. <laughs> great. That's kind of great. I'm going to like, if I ever get married, I'm going to go to like city hall and get a bunch of chicken nuggets. Like I'm like, no, this is so foreign to me. I I don't know. Like take everyone to the olive garden. Like I have no, but like, like, wouldn't that be bomb? Like, what if you like, (laughs) what if you like rented out the whole olive garden? Like, don't you want to throw a party? Parties are fun. I, I do, but I just don't, I've never had that. You guys like having like this vision of the wedding. I don't have a vision, but like that you clearly wanted to get married or that Steph was saving and all this stuff. Like if anyone, if our fans are listening and they feel like, where is the representation for like a city hall chicken nuggets wedding? Here it is. Here it is. I used to joke that I wanted to rent out like an Elks Lodge and just get like a spaghetti buffet. That's still a party. Yeah, but I want to pay like I had a guy on bed with money and he like a financial planner and he was asking about a wedding and he's like, how much money do you think you want to pay for your wedding? And I was like, nine hundred dollars. And he was like, Gabby, that and I was like, that's what I want. I will pay nine hundred dollars. You can do it. I mean, like, that's the thing is like the really the wedding is just it's just about you. So it's like, yeah, what what is going to make you feel the most connected to this person who you are deciding to like, yeah, have this partnership with forever basically you know although mal's mom did say to us you're not allowed to elope it was very weird it was apropos of nothing said to mal you're not allowed to elope and i was like mom wants to be very involved somehow or just like they just want to be there or just understands the vibe which is that i absolutely would elope. right 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 it's been like weird planning a wedding during um a global pandemic because uh on the one hand it's like why am I doing this? Like the world is suffering. This is like so bizarre and selfish and strange. But then my mom keeps being like, people need to celebrate now more than ever. Like they want something to look forward to. Like hopefully by next August, like people will be able to get together. Like it might be like the first time our family's together in like a really long time. So I'm trying to like re reframe it to that instead of just me being like, I to celebrate my love. (laughs) Well, I mean, essentially it is, it is like, I mean, you can tell, I guess at different people's weddings, why they're throwing it. Right. But like for us, it was, we want all of our friends and family to be together so they can meet each other and be in the same space with each other. Because for many of them, for many of my newly extended family, it is a bit of a bubble that they live in. So like my wedding may have been the first experience they had with seeing out gay couples and seeing trans people and being around that many black and Latino people. So like, it really was to show our families, like, this is who we are and we're, we want to celebrate with you. And like, for you, it sounds like for your family to be able to get together, if, if hopefully they can next August. I mean, it's the same thing that people say about like, the movie theater is opening back up safely. Like everyone wants to go to the movies. We want to go to the movies. We can still do it in our houses. Most of, until like before the pandemic, we could still watch movies in our houses. And what did we want to do? We wanted to go to the movie theater because it's fun to sit in the dark with other people, you know? Yeah. Community around other humans. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. I mean, people are going to really appreciate going to a party after this is over. And it's like just, community, like the, yeah. the community yeah. of people that are your friends and want to hang out. Like I definitely miss in terms of like being a queer person. I miss like 
the I there was like gay astrology, which was this like super messy, super horrible like dance night in Silver Lake. And now they're like not going to do it anymore. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I would love to go to gay astrology, see my ex cry, leaving an Uber drunk. Like, oh, like what? <laughs> like, give me it back. Like, I want to like like hate going and then force myself to go and then like talk <laughs> to someone that I talked to on Tinder two times and it's totally awkward and then like make out with a friend and leave like give me it back like why yeah so hopefully like it'll be you know people go to your wedding Allison and like appreciate it yeah yeah it's just um it's just like an interesting thing because it it feels so silly in some ways do you know what I mean like part of me feels like you Gabby where I'm like why are we doing this? Like, we should just like have a barbecue and like a pool party and like, you know, like just the pomp and circumstance of all of it. But I think for our families, people, they're excited. I think that like, again, like having all of our friends in one place who like, maybe they haven't all met each other. I just don't want the vibe of it to be like stuffy or like yeah. fancy, you know, like even though like the, the venue is like beautiful, um, I just like want it to feel like fun and like that nobody can mess up. Like there feels like so many shoulds around weddings where like, like people are like, well, you have to have this. If you don't have that, you need that. And I'm like, honestly, something really bad would have to happen for people not to have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also like fuck all that should stuff. It's so stupid. It was like, you know, like, oh, you can't see the bride before she walks down the aisle. Why? Like, okay, what? so that I actually do want to do. <laughs> really? I, I have to say one of my favorite moments from our wedding was like our first look or whatever. Uh-huh. I came downstairs, Brad and I were by ourselves and there was a photographer, one, one other person in the space and like I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around. It was like, oh shit, we're going to get married today. And we took <laughs> all our pictures. We took all our pictures before the ceremony so that we could hang out with our friends and like take these beautiful pictures and also like not have to have people wait an hour after the, like once the party started, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something I regret. I didn't get enough pictures with like my mom and dad. I only got a few cause we didn't do like um, pictures with family. Cause I was like, I don't care, but I kind of wish I had a picture with me, me and my mom and my dad. Yeah. So, I'm, I don't want to do um, posed photos. So yeah, that's what I mean. Like just make sure your photographer knows who your mom and dad are and like make sure she corrals you to get like photos with them at some point. Like, yeah. That's what my mom said. My mom was like, give the photographer a list of who you want to make sure they absolutely get photos yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Like, like with who? People at the red carpet where they have like- the, I was going to say, the, with just like, like, they have printouts, like uh, uh-huh. like Tony Hill's character on Veep, just like leaning over and being like, <laughs> this is Aunt Megan. Uh, do not mention yeah. meat to her. She is vegan. Like, it's just like <laughs> this whole thing. She's divorced from Uncle Phil. Do not take a picture of them <laughs> together. Like, like that kind of thing. Oh my God, that's so funny. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can I ask you a more personal question? Sure. I know you've talked about like this a lot, but like as a bisexual person marrying a man, then you're kind of involved in like the straight world of weddings. Uh, how do you like reconcile or how did, how were you sort of like, I need to, I need to keep like my vibe. Yeah. I mean, like the only thing that I have the power to do is talk about it really. Mm -hmm. Like, so I talk about it whenever I can, because Mm -hmm. like, it's not something that you can see from the outside, especially then I'm in a, a straight presenting, I guess mm-hmm. is a way to say it, relationship. So like I continue to talk about it in the press. I continue to talk about it when people ask me, you know, like I remember being on set for a project 
not on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but another project. And, and I was talking about how excited I was to do my bachelorette party, which we were going to do at Disneyland the next weekend or whatever. And I was like, I got so excited. And the costume designer, she was like, oh, are, are you going to get those little headbands with the little penises? And I was like, well, I would have to get like penises and vaginas, I guess, because I'm bisexual. So like that wouldn't really totally fit for me. That would be kind of weird. Also, the assumption that she had that I was just ma- marrying a, a man, that I'm mm. straight and then I'm marrying a man. Yeah, which is, or I, that you were even marrying, marrying a cis man. I know. I could be marrying anybody. You have no yeah. idea until you ask me who I'm marrying, right? right. So I was like, well, I'm. I, that doesn't really work for me because I'm bisexual. And she was like, oh. And she didn't really know what to say. I was like, it's okay, you know, like you didn't ask. So I told you. And she was like, Oh, okay. Thank you so much for telling me. And she felt, I could tell she felt embarrassed, but like, she doesn't need to feel embarrassed. She's been programmed to say things like that probably mm-hmm. her whole life. But like, for me, it's like a continually like talking, trying to say, like talk about it. And, mm-hmm. and also like, um, I guess like for our wedding, it was like everyone that was invited knew that about me. Yeah. You know, like it, down to like extended members of my family, certainly extended members of Brad's family who might not be cool with it, but everybody knew, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I still continue to deal with it, you know, which is like people being like, wait, aren't, aren't you bi? Like, why are you married to a man? Does that mean you're straight now? It's like, that's just going to be the stupid dis- discourse for the rest of my life. And so I've given over to the fact that like, my a my problems aren't as bad as anybody else like worse yeah. than anyone else's right like if this is the stupid shitty load that I have to carry then I'm like fine I'll you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's really tiring but like whatever you know yeah like, I mean I think it's like funny when people say that because you're like you understand that bi includes men right do you know that <laughs> do you understand no, that don't. the hard thing to explain to people too is it's like just because I'm bisexual doesn't mean I'm like saying I'm fully invested in the binary, right? Like, yeah, it was like, it's me, me. And then whatever the sexuality or, or orientation or, or gender of the other person, whatever, you know, like they're gender neutral. Like if it just is me and the other person, like that's Mm -hmm. the two that I'm talking about when I say Mm -hmm. bisexuality. So yeah. And then it's just like, like, it feels like telling someone, again and again and again. Like, you can't leave the refrigerator door open, actually. Like, you have to close it because um, yeah. the stuff in there will go go bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And then you come back to the refrigerator and it's open. You're like, huh, all right, okay. I guess I have to, clo- I have to close it. I-, I have to close it because I could just leave it like this, but feels like I should close it. Feels like I should have that conversation. Feels like I should be public. Feels like I should talk about it as much mm-hmm. as I can ad nauseum sometimes, I guess. But mm-hmm. It's also just like a misunderstanding of like, the difference between like sexuality and then like how you choose to be in relationships. The assumption is that you are poly or you must mm-hmm. be poly. Oh, the assumption is always that, uh, uh, not always. I should, I should clarify the assumption from people who have seen misrepresentation of bisexuality in the media. The assumption is bisexual equals promiscuous equals polyamorous equals, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times like somebody that they don't want to be, associated with or don't want, you know, their family members or friends associated with because they don't feel like, oh, well, that, that person's, that person's heart won't be safe because they're with somebody who's just like destined to be a cheater because they're bisexual. Yeah. Which is like, what movies that, did you, have you like just watched wild things like on a loop since like, <laughs> like my, my ex-boyfriend was like, well, my mom doesn't want me to be with you because she said she knew a man in the 80s who left, it was bisexual and he left his wife for a man and he was cheating with a man at a motel room. And I was like, so she knew 
one bisexual one time. And she was like, that's what they're like. And, and how many like, straight men cheat on their wives with other I women? Mean, uh, yeah. What is that that famous line from Sex and the City? I don't believe in bisexuality. It's just a stopover in the gay town, right? Which is like, Ugh. yeah. And then I think about the social like ramifications of a hugely popular show like that saying something mm-hmm. like that about yeah. bisexuals. It's like, fucking sucks, man. It's like the first time that I ever talked to Brad's mom, it like... And I'll, I'll be very honest with it because like it, it happened, which was like, she was really confused about bisexuality and just had no frame of reference for it and didn't really understand what her son was getting into. You know, like um, I say that with quotation marks around it. Cause like, you know, I think she was, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say she, I think she was trying to understand, but it was very difficult for her because like, she just had no frame of reference for it. She'd never met anybody like me, you know? And so subsequently I was like, we left that, uh, breakfast or brunch or whatever. And I said to Brad, I was like, well, you gotta talk to your parents about this or we can't be together because like, I can't be the one talking about it. I can't be by myself here. So, Mm -hmm. and to his credit, he immediately did. So like, yeah, but being, being married to a straight man as a bisexual person, I didn't ever have to say anything until like it maybe was going to be, my relationship was going to be public and it looked like from the outside, oh, she's gay, right? Like, and then that moment I could have chosen to say something or I could have just been like, let me just be in this relationship with nobody with their nose in my business. And people can choose whatever they want, you know, but I do think visibility is directly related to people's like acceptance of themselves Mm -hmm. and then their like self-love. Like, Mm -hmm. definitely. It's the same shit that we're dealing with. Like when we think about, you know, for example, like feminism or like, Mm -hmm women feeling like they're okay just like being who they are it's like it's all directly related to like patriarchy and like patriarchy's control of our bodies and our faces and our weight and our you know it's like it's all it's the same shit it's like well if you don't love your if you if you're not cool with yourself then like you kind of start to hate yourself a little bit it's really easy to hate yourself it's so yeah. easy to like hate yourself into a place of like i don't want to be here anymore what's the point yeah you know and just like being being able to be like, even if the reaction is negative, like that's your, that's your problem. Yeah. That's why visibility is so important, I think. And I think like the fact that you are choosing to be public about it and speak about it because that's so powerful to so many people out there. I hope so. I mean, like, you know, Gabby, you said something interesting, which is like, well, that's your problem, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and and it is, it is their problem, right? But it, it's nice to think that like, I could just go like, that's their problem and I don't have to deal with it. Right. But the reality actually is that I do have to deal with it because I have to see members of my new extended family that like Mm -hmm. vehemently oppose, perhaps even vote against my rights and interests as a human being. And so like, I can't actually just be like, that's your problem. I have to actively like be in spaces where I know that people don't Either like, I mean, I guess I could say like, they don't care about me, but like that could be argued, right? But like what I do know to be true is that their right to vote, they use that right to vote to enact like oppressive policies against Mm -hmm. myself and like other people that like, that I intersection with. So like, yeah, that's been a really hard thing because like, it's, it's not just their problem. It's, it is my problem because I have feelings, you know, and because I know what the, what the facts are. It's like, it's really hard to be, to share spaces with people like that. But I also feel like if I don't share the spaces, then I'm 
making it easier for them. Yeah. To forget, to not put a face to it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's like the Harvey Milk thing of like, which I go back and forth on of like, it's your duty to be out. Like if you can be out, it's your duty to be out because people need to, you need to put it in their faces. Like even if you're, you know, if your parents are not for gay rights or like anything like that, it's, it's like important to be like, what you're doing is me. You're hurting me. Hello, I'm me. And you're hurting me. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the disconnect that I see a lot of, uh, a lot of people have where they're like, they would do anything for their child except vote for their rights. What? People that would do anything for their child and then don't understand how, um, someone would try to come into the U S because they're like running from, you know, I'm, I remember going to this event once, um, where, the whole event was around like immigration and like how immigration reform and how we can help like as like celebrities. Right. But there's this woman that spoke and the reasons that she, she like walked us through why she left and it was so heartbreaking and I won't do her story justice. So I'm not going to tell it right now. And also it's very personal, but like, it was really like, I mean, if I was in the circumstances that she would have, that she was in, I also would have, there was like a a standing guard outside of her house at all times. And so like that guy took a bathroom break. Like he never did that. But like this particular day, he like took a bathroom break. She looked out the window. He was gone. She grabbed everything that she could, like their papers, right? Grabbed her kid and then fucking just ran. Like, cause that was the only opportunity she had. So like, it's wild to me that people were like, well, I would do anything for my child. But like, also like, well, those people are rapists, criminals, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, illegal, yeah. which is like, ew, that's not, you can't, what are we doing? But, you know, sometimes I'm in, I'm in these like really uncomfortable situations that make me feel really awful. But then I think like, well, what if I wasn't here? Like if I just took myself out of this, then no one would hear me say, you know, like, you can't make that joke because I'm part of the family now, like in <laughs> lighthearted or whatever. But like, I've literally said that I've been like, you can't say that. I'm, I'm here. You can't say that anymore. And like, everyone's like, oh no, but that's not how we meant it or whatever. And then it gets very uncomfortable and silent. And then we move on. Right. Yeah. But like, if I wasn't in that space, that joke would have been made no matter what, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one was with no repercussions, no repercussions, you know, like, wow. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, I truly like, it's been a very interesting challenge. It's like, Allison, do you like your husband and husband to be's family? Like, are you, do you get along with them? Like, yeah, I definitely am very lucky in that they are very similar to my family and very liberal and culturally similar and Jews. Yeah. Like I remember when I was, <laughs> before I started dating Jake, I like went on a first date with someone who was like telling me about how his mom and stepdad were Trump supporters. And I was just sort of like, do I want to deal with that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and and um, it's been really wonderful that that I haven't had to like to fight that. And you know, there's definitely been stuff where I think that I, I may be more progressive, but I also think that we're probably more progressive than ninety percent of people. So, mm-hmm. like, there mm-hmm. is going to be some stuff and some learning curves, and you know, right. even just between me and Jake, like, right. you know. But what's been so wonderful is that they're accepting of that. They're willing to change their opinions. They're willing to like, you know, listen. even listen and grow. And so um, I, I count myself very lucky because of that. Yeah. You are, 
Yeah. Very lucky, believe me. That is like, that's a true gift because it's mm-hmm. not always the way, even if your partner yeah. is like super, your va- even if your partner's values are in the same line as yours, they're, they're, you just have, it's like a crapshoot with parents. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't know. You just don't yeah, know. Definitely. So Gabby, you said Mal's, Mal's mom was like, you can't elope. It's like, do you know their mom? Oh, I've spent, yeah, I've spent a lot of time with their family. I spent a lot of time with Oh, them. that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And my parents are like leftist socialists. Like my parents yeah, are your, like, yeah, your parents are. My parents are like fully like destroy everything. Like they're hippies. Uh, Mal's parents less so. So I'm curious for them to meet each other because uh, my parents are also nuts. So yeah. I am curious to see like Mal's parents who are like you know less so uh, interact with my dad who's like you got to cover the camera on your computer because they're watching you. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's like, just basic. Yeah, smarts. exactly. That's just, yeah, that's just smarts. Exactly. Oh my God. You know what else is, is really smart and fun and accepting and progressive? Hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. <laughs> Would you like to play a game show? What a segue. Yeah, I know. The hardest part of this whole podcast is me figuring out how to segue the hypotheticals. Jesus. So hypotheticals is a game show where you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to ask you a couple of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you have, and then you would tell me what you would do in that situation. Mm. Um, And then I just like completely arbitrarily based on my own personal preference, decide if you did well. Sometimes there's not even a winner. Sometimes there's just a lot of losing. Okay, great. (laughs) <laughs> no stakes i love a no stakes. there's no stakes <laughs> okay so our first game is america's favorite game show would you stay with this cheater you find out that every day your spouse of five years grabs their boss's butt as a joke squeezes it and says wowza it's gonna be a hot one would you stay with this sort of cheater the boss laughs every time and presents his rear daily they then uh, gently kiss on the lips. Okay. <laughs> is your spouse Rob Thomas or Santana? <laughs> no. And it's a hot one. <laughs> uh, okay, they're not. Okay. Why, why does this happen? How, How did this start? It started just like kind of like spur of the moment random joke when it was really hot outside one day. Right. Um, and everyone just found it so delightful that they've kept it going now every day. This has been my spouse for five years, but how long have they been at this job? 15 years. Oh. They've been doing it the whole time? Yeah. Why didn't they tell you? They just never came up. How hot is the boss? Um, the boss is, uh, is well, depending on your personal preference, eight out of 10. I mm. think uh, I, so the question is like, would you stay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or what are the parameters in which you would stay with this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have to just stay or not stay. And they can't um, change their behavior? You can't no. ask them to change, their, change behavior? their behavior? No. Oh, that was my question. Can I have the discussion and they change their behavior? No. No. No, I would not say. Just because yeah. they do a little pinch and say, wow, it's a hot one. And then you just said, a, gent- a gentle kiss on the lips. A butt grab and a gentle kiss on the lips. Uh, just For me, does not a monogamous relationship make? How, <laughs> let me ask you a question. The boss day at work, they do this. <laughs> no, is the boss into my spouse? Um, no, 
No, man, that's just like not a boundary that I'm like cool with. Like, mm -mm. yeah, right. But I have to tell you, they were very rich and you signed a prenup. So you don't get any of their money? No, no. actually, you have to pay them. It was a bad prenup. You shouldn't have signed it. I would never. First of all, I would never. This hypothetical goes out the window right there because my prenup airtight. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I'd stay. Really? Yeah, the boss is an eight out of ten. Let me let me see what that's about. <laughs> okay, our next game. Is okay. this person an alien or just rude? Okay. While showering at the gym, the year is 2024. Okay. A woman you've become friendly with enters your shower stall and asks if you can shower together because she is afraid of slipping and doesn't want to shower alone. Before you can answer, she starts shampooing her hair. Is this person an alien or just rude? To clarify, this is not a sexual situation or the beginning of a porno. Is the, is the person um, an older lady, like someone that might need help in the shower? 47. Hmm. I think she's rude. Because I think, like, she started shampooing without me even giving my consent or answering. So I feel like if she was an alien, at least she would be like, is this okay? And then I would say yes or no. But because she's just doing what she wants to do without me saying yes or no, that's rude. She's not following a boundary. What if, like, it's the third, it's a third, not alien, not rude, but just someone who, like, doesn't understand social cues and like, doesn't really understand, you know what I mean? Like maybe somewhere on a, like a spectrum of Asperger's or something. Your like answers that. are no, too reasonable. That's way too, that's way too reasonable. And it's just this, rude. This isn't a game for reason. Like oh, don't, no. there's no empathy. You cannot have empathy for someone who is neurodivergent. I've already lost show. this whole thing. There's no I'm empathy not. in rude or alien. I'm sorry. Okay. And they're rude. They're, they're just and rude. And they're rude. Okay. Actually, they're an alien from a planet where there's a strict buddy system. In and this, this was them choosing you as their buddy. Well, again, since there's no empathy in this I'm game. Sweet. No. There's no empathy in this game. I don't know how to detach from my empathy, Gabby. It's impossible. It's You're giving so much benefit of the doubt. Possible. I cannot detach from my empathy. Okay. Well, well then this one, this one will be tricky for you. Okay. This is our final game. Are you a terrible parent? You play a villain on a very successful TV show. And as a result, your five-year-old daughter is afraid of you. One morning, she tries to poison your coffee with bleach from the laundry room in order to save the planet. You have to send her to live with your sister so she will stop trying to murder you. Are you a terrible parent? Eventually, your character gets killed off and she moves back in at age eight. No. You're not a terrible parent? No. If, <laughs> I, if I'm playing this game with no empathy, I'm not a terrible parent. So she thinks that you are actually a villain and she's trying to kill you. Right. Yeah. So she's pretty heroic. Can it's you absolutely heroic? And you keep telling her I'm not a villain. And she's like, that's exactly what a villain would say. So you're like, all right, well, she has to go live with her her aunt because she can't live here because she thinks I'm a murderous, villainous alien. She's just trying to save the planet. So yeah. Can you bring her <laughs> to her set? Out. Can you bring her to set and be like, look, see, it's fake? You have brought her to set, and, that, and she attempted to kill you there as well. Why does she not understand my industry? <laughs> just, 
Just like a, oh, you open your eyes three o'clock in the morning. There's an eight year old with a knife <laughs> over you. The She's like, this is for the city. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I think, I think you're a terrible parent because you haven't properly explained your job. Well, honestly, you are a terrible parent because, um, your sister is actually a villain and you've sent her to live with her. Oh my God. Hilarious. Yeah. So the sister's cover was that I play a villain on TV. That is such a long con. It wasn't a cover. It just has just a coincidence. It is the way. Wow. I, wow. <laughs> Hollywood, you know, you can't trust anyone. Yeah, yeah. But eventually at a certain point, your daughter does kill your sister and saves the planet. So and how do so I feel about why it? Why am I a terrible parent? <laughs> well, you know, I, that's I, a good point. I, that was my long, long con. <laughs> yeah. You, oh my God, you, you trained your daughter to, to like a slayer. Yeah, yeah. Like a slayer to get, yeah. to get your sister. Wow. I would write, I would read this script. I would but also you're out of work since that role. No one's wanted to cast you again because they can only see you in that one role. It's Listen. really typecasting. Well, what if I just stayed playing like, a villain like Willem Dafoe? Well, actually they do make a biopic about your sister and you get to play her. <laughs> The Willem Dafoe thrown in there was really great. He just plays villains and he's so good at it. So he good really at is. It. Make a career out of it. I mean, if you can. Yeah. Why not? Oh, my God. It's really hard for white guy actors, you guys. <laughs> One thing we can take away from this entire discussion is straight white men have it really difficult. Right? Thank you so much for joining us and, and proving that's not true. Um, <laughs> Where, where can people find you So if they wish to find you? My Instagram is my name. And I think my Twitter is I am Steph Beats, I think. But yeah, I encourage you to use the Google because then you can find things that I like wrote. Mm-hmm. And all of and all of Steph's like movies and upcoming projects and cool uh, stuff. Yeah, I have a cool I have a cool animated series that's on Netflix right now called Wizards. It's the third part in a trilogy series by Guillermo del Toro. And Which is really like, good. are you kidding me? That's it's amazing. It's so cool. It's really, 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 really cool. And like the animation is wild and the storyline is great. And it just oh. came out. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about normal versus common. The rapper. No. Okay, sorry. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 baby. Baby. Um, so normal versus common. Okay. So basically when people say normal, and I don't like the word normal either. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because I have seen it used specifically in a sort of transphobic way where people will say a trans woman and a normal woman. And what Mm. does that fucking mean? What does Nothing that fucking good. mean? Not good. Or I've heard regular. Like I've seen this this kind of slip up many times where they'll be like a trans woman and a regular woman. And I'm like, oh, regular woman? Oh, regular? What does that mean? Does that mean she poops? Does that mean she poops on schedule, baby? She's regular? She's taking that prune juice? She's eating that Activia? What does that mean? <laughs> the correct term would be cis woman. No, yeah, totally, exactly. Yeah. Or just everyone's a woman and you can mm-hmm. chill out with that normal and regular shit. But you're talking about, like, I think people will be like, what's normal 
for mental illness, what's normal for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you could just say common. Yeah, like I just feel like growing up, I was just so obsessed with being normal. Mm -hmm. Like I just felt so abnormal. And I felt like that my experiences that I was having wasn't like hitting what they should be, you know, where it's like, oh, at this age, it's like normal to have had a boyfriend. Like we get a lot of like emails like that. And I just think like, it's like I'm 23 and it's like so not normal that I haven't had a relationship. And it's like, no, normal is just like a made up concept. In reality, it's it's like it's literally just that it's more common in that just if you look at the stats, okay, maybe more people have had this experience or do this than people don't, but that doesn't inherently make it better or right. Also, I don't think you should legally be allowed to be in a relationship till you're 27 years old. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm going to write back to every person who's like, is it normal that I haven't had a boyfriend at 24? I'll be like, actually, honestly, I'm working on legislation where you will not be able to have a relationship (laughs) until you're 27 years old because your brain isn't fully formed. But I, I and I mean, I think that it it's also just shows like the power of language because how quickly does your mind change when you hear common versus normal? Right? If you're like, oh, it's just common. Like, this is just common versus yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I I never actually really wanted to be normal, which is kind of funny. You were like fighting so hard. We've talked about this, I think, like pers- privately as friends, where you're like, I was trying so hard to be normal. And everything I did was like, I want to stand out. I said to Mal, and this is, Mal's like, that's so sad, is that I was like, I would go to school every day in like middle school and elementary school and be like, what am I going to do to stand out today? How can I be memorable? Each day I would wake up and be like, on the way to school, be like, how can I be memorable today? My God, what a burden to put on yourself. I know. And I was like, that's so sad. It also explains so much. See, I would like go to school and do my best to be normal. And then I think I would come home and like do all my weird things, like (laughs) compulsions and like whatever I had to do. (laughs) I was just like, how can I was just like, gosh, how can I like uh, how can I stand out today? Like what's going to be my shtick? Why were you so afraid of of being normal common? I don't know. I just I just wanted so badly to be different like I wanted like the Harry Potter letter to come so I could be a wizard I wanted wanted to be a witch so bad yeah or like I wanted like I wanted like so badly like my grandma to be like we come from a long line of slayers like I wanted like something like that to happen so bad like I didn't want to be normal or common at all I think like I, I I thought that I wasn't normal so I was like okay if I'm not normal then I'm just gonna go hard at it yeah uh, I had a, I've, I, maybe I've told the story about the girl at my school that made a list of cool kids and weird yeah, kids. Yeah, you bring this up about once every other week. I just saw, I just was looking at her Instagram last night, um, because she's a, a dominatrix in, uh, and like a pole dancer and stuff in, uh, in New York. And I was like, good for, I was like looking at her Instagram where she's like being very hot. And I was like, good for you, Amanda. Good for <laughs> you. We both got out of our town. We're crushing it. We're queer. Good for you, girl. I also think that when you when you change what words you use, it also makes it so that you won't make mistakes that will potentially insult or alienate people. Go on. So like for me, a big thing that I've had to like adjust to is that like not assuming that like everyone's parents are still alive. Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. certain things like that where it's like i now like if i'm just like meeting somebody i'm not like automatically like what do your parents do or where are your parents living or assume that they're still together or like or in touch with them or or in touch with them or like yeah so it just sort of like makes you realize that like oh if something is common and honestly that's probably not even that common 
I think more people are divorced. Yeah, like, or it's even, you know what I mean? But, like, I think the term normal really plays into ableism yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, In, like, a really big way and that you assume that everybody can do these things and, yes. like, and that they're capable of certain stuff when, like, a lot of people aren't. And right. so changing your brain to like, oh, it's common, but common doesn't mean 100%. And therefore, I should not make an assumption. Right. Yes. And like, also, I bet we're even wrong about what's common. Like Mm -hmm. when you were just talking about parents, like I bet we're wrong. Like you and I would just be like, well, it's common to be able to do this. And like, I bet if we looked up the statistics, it's like actually not common at all. Totally. And just like it, it changes your worldview a bit in terms of like understanding that you live in a bubble mm-hmm. and so like even what my idea of normal is versus what somebody in another country's idea mm-hmm. of normal is is totally mm-hmm. different which just negates the idea of normal even more right yeah like there's also normal in, in different groups like I think there's stuff that is kind of seen as like par for the course in queerness that is actually just stereotypes <laughs> like mm-hmm. sometimes normal is is like kind of a segue into stereotypes. Totally. Or kind of a a segue into like, well, this is like this is what all lesbian relationships are like. Mm-hmm. This is what all like we all, you know, you all move fast and everyone that's in queer relationships, they move fast and they're even like I'm guilty of this. Like in previous videos of JBU, uh like years ago, I was like all gay sex takes like so long. It takes year it takes years to to finish. You know what I mean? I was like, lesbian sex doesn't like last, it's not shorter than an hour. And I was just kind of like playing into stereotypes and talking out my ass. And now I'm like, what are you talking about? You were like, you were saying like your own experiences as if that's everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I regret that. And I'll be making an apology video for our <laughs> channel. <laughs> I also think that it can pigeonhole yourself. Where you can be like, mm-hmm. oh, but this this behavior isn't normal for me or these outfits aren't normal for me or like I can't do that. That's not how I normally behave. Right. But like in reality, it's just how you've behaved more often than yeah. not. And so why not like change it up a little bit? Like why not wear that thing or try this or, you know, you're not normally athletic. But like if you want to go for a long bike ride, try it. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, I think they're afraid of people's reactions. Like, you know, like, I put a lot of makeup on today. And everyone's like, ooh, your makeup. And I think, like, sometimes people are like, I just want to do different things and I don't want anyone to say anything about it. Um, But, like, you're allowed to reinvent yourself. Artists do it all the time. Reinvent yourself. Have your Joanne period. You know what I mean? That's a Lady Gaga reference. Okay, I was like, I think that's Lady Gaga, but I'm not sure. What's fun about this show is our references are almost entirely different. Uh, so you yeah. are living in two different realities and neither is normal. Exactly. And like, I know like for gay men, sometimes prom- promiscuity is like normalized. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times like gay friends of mine who who are monogamous feel like, oh, I'm like, I'm not doing gay right. You know, I'm not being the the right kind of gay. Which is, like, sad. Like, and, and it makes you miss out on community, I think. Mm-hmm. For those who are just listening to this podcast, I've pouted many times. You might hear silence, but what it is is me making a pouty face and, ha- and being like, I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry for your adorable. problems. Thanks. They also can't see my makeup. They can't see my pretty makeup. 
I'm sure you'll be posting photos of yourself. I absolutely will be. (laughs) Tamika, it's that time where you get to join us. Woo! Woo! Everyone's been waiting for Tamika. Tamika! Tamika. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tamika hates it. Hi. Hi! Now I was uh, following the chat. Everyone's really excited about the episode. They had lots of comments. I do want to share, like, they had some pretty clever episode ratings. Do you guys want to jump into that? Yeah, please tell us. Okay. I'm going to post some of them in our little separate chat and then read some of them off. You guys can join me if you want. Okay. Okay. I loved this comment from Carly. They rate the episode 11 out of 10 bisexual icons against the gender binary. That was probably my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like 14 out of 14 can't remove my empathy (laughs) from Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. 11 out of 10 wedding day nuggets. Mm -hmm. Chicken nugget wedding. Chicken nugget wedding. Oh, five out of five eloped Gabby's. Do not tell Mal's mother. (laughs) Are you really going to elope, you think? Uh, no, I shouldn't say that because I don't, I mean, actually, I have no idea the extent to which Mal's family l- listens to my work, but I, uh, I, I, I don't want to, I want to buy a house. I want my money to go to buying a house. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want a wedding. I want to, I want to buy a house. I want to try to pay off my mom's debt, although she's being cagey about it. Like she won't tell me the exact number, but that's like something that I, you know, like I want to, I want to do that stuff. And like, I don't even know if I'm going to get married. Oh, God, now I'm spiraling. It's a whole rabbit hole. Um, well, it's all up to you. It's all up to whatever you want to do with your life. I know. All that goes back to that, you know, the theme of topics, normal versus common. It's yeah. just like more of a common thing rather than maybe it needing to seem normal. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Mal also doesn't want to sign a prenup, so that's a whole conversation. They don't? <laughs> no, they they think it's not romantic. This is mm. me sticking out my tongue in annoyance. Uh so also, uh, I like 17 out of 12 non-penis hat weddings. Thank goodness. <laughs> that is so weird. That is a weird thing. Yeah. But uh, lots of stuff's weird and lots of stuff's changing, which is good. <laughs> I know. Uh, what, um, what do we rate it personally? Jamisa? I rate it. Someone stole my rating. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say it, but someone stole it. Like, what was it? Five out of five guests yelling at Gabby. I cannot remove my empathy. (laughs) (laughs) That was really funny. I don't know why, but I was just cracking up. (laughs) I I don't know if I could do better than that. That might just be the universal rating for this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Steph's a good time. She's very funny. Uh, So, yeah, I, I will rate it. 10 out of 10, your parents are not Christian scientists or Scientologists. Great. That's, that's from the beginning. If yeah, I call. understood. <laughs> it, it was a callback. I don't know if you guys got that. How about, I'll, I'll go, I'll go um, nine out of eight. Take your meds. I keep forgetting to take my meds. I got Allison. No, I eventually remember, but I should take them in the morning. And a lot of days I'm like, and it's 2 p.m. And then sometimes it's too late to take my Wellbutrin. Anyway, quarantine's a journey. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much to Stephanie Beatrice for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. And Brendan has an a album out, so go get Brendan's album. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. And our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. 
Nasty. <laughs> ah! It's a real callback. Stitcher.